Hey, yo, what's going on, fam? Thank you for locking in again. This is Clear You with CK Podcast, and today's guest is Tim Fitzpatrick, a marketing expert. You know, a topic that I truly love talking about on this podcast, so bear with me. But today's guest is going to bring a fresh point of view on marketing, and, you know, we're going to all learn together from his expertise and his experience. So thank you, Tim, for coming on the show, right? Thanks for having me, TK. I'm excited to, uh, to dig into this with you today. I want to start off this episode with a peculiar question. What is the one thing, in your opinion, that most people should understand about marketing? Oh, that's, dude, that's a great question. There, <laughs> there's so many different things, but if I had right. to boil it down to one, I would just say that you've got to have the fundamentals in place. Too many people skip the fundamentals when it comes to marketing. I think it's it's very easy, right? Because there's so much information overload when it comes to marketing. There's so many different channels, so many different tactics. There's all these all kinds of gurus saying you need to do this. And people just immediately jump in and take action without really having a firm foundation that they can build upon. And when that happens, they end up wasting time and they waste money because they start just marketing and they're like, this stuff's not working. Like right. I tried, I tried social, I tried Facebook, I tried TikTok, I had a YouTube channel, none of this stuff worked. It's not that those things didn't work, it's the sequencing was out of whack. They put the cart before the horse mm-hmm. and they didn't have the fundamentals in place. So I know we're gonna dig into this today, but I think that's the biggest mistake most people make. Okay, beautiful. So let's get right into it, man. Like what are the fundamentals in your opinion of marketing? So what we're gonna talk about today is nothing new, man. It's been around for a long time. The fundamentals in any discipline they don't change. They're immutable, right? right? Standing up and hitting a major league fastball, the principle, the fundamentals of doing that are the same today as they were 50 years ago. And they're going to be the same 50 years from now. Marketing is no different. So when I look at the marketing fundamentals, I look at three different things. I call them the marketing strategy trilogy. One is your target market. So what market are you going to serve? And within that market, Who are your ideal clients? Because everybody in a given market is not an ideal client. We need to hone in on who the ideal clients are for us to work with. Once you understand who your ideal clients are, then and only then can you move to the second element, which is your messaging, how you communicate what you do, how you do it clearly, and in a way that's engaging, that grabs that market's attention and interest. And third one is what's your plan? Like, what is my plan to get that message in front of those people I intend to attract? If you do not have all three of those things in place, things are not going to work as well as they should. All these things need to be in alignment for your marketing to work as effectively as possible. So in a nutshell, those are the three. We can certainly dig into them, but it's super easy to remember. Your target market, your message to that market, and then your plan of how you're going to get that message in front of those people. When I talk about marketing quite often, and even with clients that I help through my business, I talk a lot about consistency and patience. Those are two things that play, in my opinion, a huge role in you know yes. how you market something. What are your thoughts about yeah. that? TK, I couldn't agree with you more. Too many people look marketing with very short-term, with a short-term view. Right, right. And when you look at marketing with a short-term view, you're going to have these starts and stops. Despite what some marketers say, marketing takes time, man. There is no silver bullet that's going to immediately generate, you know, all the leads you could ever want by tomorrow. Yes, there are things you can do that can get you quicker results, but most things take time. And so you've got to look at it through a long-term lens. A lot of people give up on marketing tactics too quickly. 
they try it and they're like, well, that didn't work. And they give up before it even has the chance to work. So long-term view with marketing is super important. And I can't remember where I heard this, but when I initially got into marketing, somebody described it to me as a flywheel, right? You got to feed that flywheel. And as you feed the wheel, it starts to build more and more momentum and it just keeps going and going and going. But if you stop feeding the flywheel, it slows down. And then right. it's going to take that much longer to get it going. Think of it like a 401k. You're putting an investment in each and every month. Right. You've got to do it consistently. You can't start and stop. And you have to think long-term. Super important. That's a beautiful analogy, man. The 401k one, I like that. Lots of people, especially entrepreneurs, which is odd, but I've met so many entrepreneurs. I've worked with them. They don't look at marketing as an investment, like you said. They look at it as a quick fix. Where do you think that comes from and how realistic or not is that? You're actually bringing this up at a really interesting point in time. Well, at least, you know, where I'm based out of the US, we're heading into a down market, you know, depending on who you talk to, which may be further than some people think. Right. And when you view marketing as an expense, what can you do, right? We cut expenses, exactly. but investments, we continue to make because we know that we're going to get a return on that investment. So having the mindset that marketing is an investment is super important because especially one of the first things people look at cutting in a down market is marketing. And in my opinion, obviously I'm biased TK, but I'm not the only person that feels this way. Cutting marketing in a down market is like one of the worst things that you could ever do because all of your competitors are defaulting to the same thing. If you can commit to making that investment, through a down market, you're positioning yourself to just take off as things ramp back up. And frankly, in right. any market, there are people that are thriving, but yes. there's no way you're going to thrive without marketing, right? One of the other things that always stuck with me, and I, again, I can't remember who said it, multiple people have said it. Look, you can have the best product or service in the world, but if you don't have marketing bringing in leads that convert to new customers, then it doesn't matter. If you, nobody knows your product, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, to be honest. Exactly. It's not going to sell. So you've got to have marketing. You can't do without it. So it's a super important element. I think it's one that a lot of business owners, especially in the beginning, start to overlook. Because you know a lot of businesses in the beginning are building their business on referrals. And that's right. great. There's nothing wrong with referrals. Referrals are very good leads. People tend to close them at a much higher rate, but referrals are not, they're not predictable. They're not scalable. And at some point, if you want to grow your business and increase your revenue, you've got to start expanding out into other marketing channels. And, um, you know, it's like building a business on referrals is like riding a unicycle. If the tire goes flat, you're kind of screwed. But right. if you have multiple lead generation channels, you're riding a, a three-wheeler or a four-wheeler. If one of those tires goes flat, it's gonna slow you down a little bit, but you're still gonna to get to where you wanna go. So I think long-term taking a multi-channel approach to how you're generating leads, it brings more consistency, more predictability, and your business is gonna be a lot more stable. I like that, man, and I truly love your analogies. That makes perfect sense, and I think everyone can understand that, at least. Now, I have one of these questions that always comes about when I think about marketing. And when I talk to people who aren't in the marketing field, what is marketing and how can you explain it to people who have no idea where to take their business when they've already tried like a few things here and there? Yeah. So the definition of marketing I love is from John Jance over at Duct Tape Marketing. 
So marketing is getting someone who has a need or a problem you can solve to know, like, and trust you. That's it, right? So marketing is getting someone who has a need or a problem you can solve to know, like, and trust you. That's it. Every marketing activity that we take should be doing something to help people know, like, and trust us, right? Because until those three things are in place, they're not going to want to move forward and work with us. And then from there, it's if marketing is doing its job, then as leads come in and they transition to sales, those sales conversations are warm. They already know, like, and trust us. It's a much, much easier conversation. It's very easy to overcomplicate marketing because there's so many right. different moving parts. A lot of people feel like, oh, I've got to be here and I've got to be there. I've got to be doing all these things. No, you don't. There are people that have built very successful businesses on you know, two or three different marketing channels. And, See, and that's totally okay. I'm guilty of that, to be honest, personally. It's like, let's take this podcast. When I was starting out three years ago, I thought I had to market it. So it wasn't what it is today, but I thought I had to market it. So I was all over the place. I was on social media, doing some podcast appearances and whatnot. And I realized that I got lost along the way because I was now spending way more time doing promo and not enough time building my own show and getting better at it. So how do you juggle between that and how do you handle these types of challenges? Yeah, I think one of the key things helps reduce or eliminate what you just described is having a written plan. When you have a plan, you know what your priorities are, right? And when you know what your priorities are, you have clarity. And when we have clarity, what happens to our stress? Our stress goes way down because we know exactly what actions we need to focus on. The other thing is when you have a plan, it helps eliminate a lot of that information overload that I mentioned in the beginning. There's too much noise out there. And if you don't have a plan that outlines your, what, what your priorities are, it's very easy to be like a squirrel chasing a nut, you know? And so when some guru says, hey, you know, TK, you gotta be on TikTok. Man, if you don't have a plan, it's easy to just go down that path. Exactly. And have these fits and, and starts. But if you have a plan, you know what you need to do and you can focus on those and you can have the discipline to say, you know what? I'm not saying no on TikTok. I'm just saying no for right now. What are the keys to making a good plan in that sense? So we can go down another path here. Here's how I look at marketing planning. I look at it in short-term sprints, 90 days. Okay. okay. Again, I like to keep things as simple as possible because when we complicate things, it gets in the way of us getting results. You know, when the pandemic started, if you had a year long marketing plan, what happened to that thing? I mean, most of them right. got burned. Right. Year long plans, they become too complex and they're too far out. The market is changing quickly. Our businesses right. are changing quickly. Nobody creates a year long plan for anything, whether it's marketing or anything else and gets to the end of the year and the plan is the same as it was when, it's, when they started. So if that's the case, why the hell do we take the time to do it? 90 days is long enough to start seeing whether you're gaining traction, but it's a short enough period of time where it keeps things simple. It can make course corrections along the way. And it's those small course corrections continually optimizing what you're doing that lead to incremental results over time. So when I look at planning, a 90 day plan has six elements. This is really tactical for, for your audience. So one is who are your ideal clients, right? Like at a minimum, I just want a paragraph of your one to three ideal clients that you intend to work with. Because you gotta keep top of mind who you intend to attract. 
The second thing is you need to know what your goal is. What's my goal for the next 90 days? Do I intend to bring on five new clients or do I intend to bring in a certain amount of revenue? Whatever it is, it needs to be specific, measurable, and it's typically it's going to be that next step that's going to help me get closer to my longer term goals. Third thing I need to understand is my budget and my resources. This gives us an idea of how much we can bite off, right? Do I have $500 a month or do I have $50,000 a month to invest? And do I have a team of people or is it just me, right? And not only with that team of people or with me, what are my capabilities? If I need to be on LinkedIn and I don't know the first thing about LinkedIn, well, then I'm probably not the right person to be doing that. I either need to hire somebody to do it or, or I need to level up my skill set, right? So we're just trying to make sure that we've got the right people in the right seats and that we know how much money we have to invest so that we don't take on too much in our plan or we don't take on too little. If you take on too little, then you're not going to get as results as quickly as you should, right? Right. So three more things in this plan. The fourth thing is where are you starting from? You can't outline a plan to get where you want to go until you know where you start. It's like your GPS on your phone can't tell you how to get to the airport until you say where you're starting from. Same thing here. What do I have in place from a marketing perspective and what do I continue to do? Then the fifth step is looking at, okay, what are my priorities for the next 90 days? What am I going to focus on to get where I want to go? And then the last thing we need to keep top of mind are the metrics. What metrics are we going to track that are going to help us understand whether the actions we're taking are working or not? People don't know whether marketing is working or not because they're either not tracking any metrics or they haven't identified the right metrics to track. So those six steps, I'm sure you probably have questions and we can dig deeper on any of the ones that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going back to number two, which is your goal. Yeah. When you come up with that goal, what are you supposed to do along the way to make sure that that goal comes reality without hurting your business? Because you talked about the budget in number three, right? Yeah. And so you set the goal and then you set the budget or does it go the other way? Well, typically you're going to have a goal. And then from there, that's when you look at the budget and the resources. Look, some things in marketing don't necessarily take money. They take time, right? right. And I guess time yeah. is money. Any tactic can work, right? That's why you got to take into account all these things when you're creating your plan, you know, because like TK, we're, you know, we're on a, we're on a podcast, you know, we're doing video. If I say to somebody, man, you, you have to start shooting video and using that to create content, to promote your business. Man, if they're terrified of being on camera, that's never going to work for them. Right. So when we're creating plans, we're looking at the whole picture to put that plan together. And that's why marketing is not one size fits all. Oh, you need, you know, you need to be doing Google ads or, you know, you need to build a funnel. Man, you got to look at everything because if you don't look at everything, you're only getting a part of the picture and Google ads may not work for them. Right. Right. So we've got to look at everything to determine that with a goal. The one thing that I always tell people, I, what I described was an outcome-based goal. You know, I intend to get five new clients in the next 90 days. With an outcome-based goal, there are a lot of things beyond your control, right? That's the thing. And that's the difficulty of marketing, to be honest. Because yes. everything is not within your control. No, it's not. So the thing I like to tell people about an outcome-based goal is, look, we need to have an idea of where we're headed, right? We need to have a North Star that's guiding and directing us, but we also can't be so attached to that that if we don't hit it, like the wheels come off, 
right? And we get totally, you know, we get depressed and unmotivated and we just don't want to do anything. No, that's not helpful. So we need to have an idea of where we want to go. But when you look at step five, where you're outlining your priorities, that's where I really like people to focus because your priorities, those are much more actionable. That you can control, right? So one of our priorities is to update the messaging on our website by X date. Well, you can control that, right? I mean, there, those are actions that you can actually take. So I, I like to know what the North Star is, but I like to spend most of my time focusing on the actions that I can take that I can control. And I'm taking those actions because I believe those actions are what's going to help me reach that goal, right? That's kind of how I view it. Hopefully that breakdown helps people because I do, you, you got to have a goal, but you can only focus on what you can control. Beautiful. My next question is more about, I don't know if you were around before social media as a marketer and you've seen the transition, but my question to you is, how do you reckon social media has changed the way we do marketing? Oh man, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, it's changed a lot, right? Uh, social media has changed a ton of things, not just in marketing, but in all our lives in, in general. Right. I believe I heard this from, from Russell Brunson over at ClickFunnels talking about social media. I think it's important to think of social media not as a consumer, but as a producer. Right. Here's the distinction there. When you are a consumer of social media, you are spending your time digesting all the stuff that's out there. Some of it is complete garbage. Some of it, there's tons of value. Right. But I think there are a lot of people that waste a ton of time on social media. From a business perspective, you want to focus on being a producer. You want to produce the content that other people are consuming and not waste your time consuming stuff that's not helping you get to where you want to go. That's one thing that has always stuck with me because I honestly, I think that, you know, social media certainly is still evolving. It's always evolving, but honestly, I think that we're going to reach a point where people are going to go, God, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I spending all this time on this? Because you got to be careful, man. There's a lot of social media is a highlight reel, right? And we're really, right. people see the highlight reel and they're like, God, my life really sucks compared to that. Yeah. But all you're seeing is the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's like, man, everybody's got problems. You just don't see most of them. So, you know, if you're going on social media, watching the highlight reel, thinking your life should look like that, uh, man, you're, you're going down a road that you shouldn't be going down. But the other thing from a business perspective with social is you got to find those social channels that resonate with you, right? Certainly you want to be where your ideal clients are, but at this point, most ideal clients, at least a portion of your ideal clients are going to be on any social media. Certainly some more than others, right? Like, so for example, for me in the business to business space, man, LinkedIn is a great place to be. Are business owners on Instagram and, and Facebook? Yeah, absolutely they are, right? But there's just a much higher concentration of business owners on LinkedIn. But you need to find the one that resonates with you and then go deep. Don't too many people are like, well, I've got to be on these three social channels. No, nail one. Then you can start mm. to expand from there. Well, that was my next question to you. How do you focus your energy and your time on one platform? And what makes you go, this is the one for me. And then we'll see about the rest. Some of it goes back to research, right? Like where are my ideal clients? And then what kind of content do I want to put out? 
And this obviously is changing as well, but like, if you love video, you know, you love short form video, well, gosh, you know, like TikTok really got that whole scene rolling, but now, you you know, you've got short form videos, you know, 30, 60, 90 second clips on, on Instagram, on Facebook. You know, if you like doing that kind of stuff, finding a platform that lends itself well to that type of media, I think is one way that you hone in on it, but you also have to just, like the platform. Right, let me just cut you off right there because yeah. we're, we're talking about snackable content basically and yeah. short videos. Do you feel like these videos or this type of content is of any value marketing wise? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Man, people love video. A lot of people love video. Interestingly enough, I love using video to create content. I honestly, I don't watch that much video. When I do, it tends to be much longer form video, you know, so more educational right. workshop yeah, type stuff. That's my question. <laughs> yeah. Because but, but I'm, I'm the same. But I'm not necessarily my ideal client either. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. tons of people that do want those quick hits. I mean, you can get a lot of really good value from short clips. There's tips in there and it's like, oh, great. Yeah, that's super actionable. Awesome. Let me let me go move forward and do Man, there's people that sit on TikTok. They don't watch TV. They sit on TikTok and watch scroll, scroll yep. through videos. Like, that's not me. But just but because that, that's that, not me doesn't mean that there's not a ton of people out there that do it because there are. But my question is, are these people actually there and using these types of videos to bring value to your business? Yeah, absolutely. They are. So I'll give you an example. I interviewed a guy, Austin Armstrong, and I cannot remember the name of his company, but he's another marketer. He built his business on TikTok. At the time I interviewed him, I think he had like two, somewhere around 200 to 225,000 followers on TikTok. And he's generating leads for his marketing company on TikTok through short form videos. And they were all educational based type videos showing people right. how to do certain things, giving them insight, you know, tips, tricks, things that they should be considering with marketing, and then just having calls to action in those. You know, hey, right. if you like this, follow me. Or hey, if you want more information, go here, right? That type of stuff. That's classic direct response marketing. If anybody's listening that knows Dan Kennedy, Dan Kennedy is like, you know, one of the gods of direct response marketing. You're putting in valuable information out there and you're asking people to do something. And when you do that, they respond and you start to generate leads. You can generate leads in so many different ways. Doesn't just have to be what we're talking about here right now. How important is it to have call to action in everything you do? Uh, I think it's super important because most people do not take action unless they're called to action, right? Unless we tell them what we want them to do. Sometimes right. the most motivated people among us are going to just take action no matter what. Right. But how many people do you know that have super high motivation? Most people, the majority of people do not. So we need to tell people exactly what we want them to do and what to expect when they take that action. What I was always afraid of with all two actions was that it put people off. You know, with something like that, I don't think they mind that. And frankly, if they do mind it, okay then they're probably not an ideal listener, right? Or an ideal client right. for you. You know, in marketing, they talk about the marketing rule of seven, you know, where it takes at least seven impressions, at least seven impressions, you know, your brand, your message for something to resonate with people. So you have to be consistent about it, right? Like the first time they listen to your show and you say that, they may not even think twice about it. Every time when they listen to your show, 
they hear you say it over and over and over again. They're like, gosh, maybe I should, you know, I've been listening to this for a while. Maybe I should like subscribe or maybe I should leave TK a review. There's not a problem with that. You should have a call to action in everything you do. And it can be small. It doesn't have to be huge, right? It's like you said, hey, just I create a social, a short form social video. And it's just like, hey, if you love this content, follow me because you're going to get more of it, right? That's a very small ask. Right. Right. It, true, every true. every call to action doesn't have to be, oh, hey, hope you like this. Go buy this. my book. Yeah, go buy my book. Yeah, jump on a call with me. Like no, it doesn't have yeah. to be that at all. But selling is okay, right? Like we are helping people by selling. If we don't encourage people to take that next step with us, then we're not helping them as much as we could, right? And I think most right. of us that are business owners wanted to do this because you know, we love what we're doing and we want to help as many people as we can. Well, if you don't tell people how you can help them, then most people are never going to know. And I always remind myself that this whole show, everything that I do practically is to bring value to the listeners. We're having this conversation, but I want to make sure people will also learn from your experiences and what you're putting out. Like all the golden nuggets aren't mine. I'm trying to put out something that's going to be useful, that's going to build a certain mindset for certain people. And so it's true that in retrospect, asking people to follow is not necessarily just for me, but it's also for them. Keep you said happy. something super important there to pull out. You didn't do the videos because, you know, you wanted it to be perfect, right? And yeah. um, also self-conscious. Man, we all suck in the beginning, okay? We all suck. The way we get better is by taking action and continually learning from the actions that we take. And so I think the faster we as, as people, as business owners can just let go of caring about what other people think, judgment yeah. yeah the faster we're gonna get to where we want to go most people especially on social media you see this all the time like videos aren't polished like we make mistakes True. and that's okay that just shows you're you're human nobody is perfect so just get out there put it out there and don't worry about what other people say there's gonna be haters and you know whatever so the haters aren't the the people for you that's okay but. And they're not the metric. They're not the ultimate metric. I mean, it's no, I tend to focus on the good things that people say about the show. Um, I haven't had that many haters right now because I'm not that big yet. That comes with success usually with like great success. But what I do tend to judge myself a lot on is the quality of my content and, uh, you know, the quality of my questions and the quality of, you know, the interviews that I conduct with my guests. But luckily for me, I have had really amazing guests such as yourself and so you guys definitely lift up the whole level of this podcast so thank you for that yeah thanks for having me man it's been uh, been fun we've covered a lot of ground here today yeah we have well before i let you go we talked about marketing planning and marketing plans and so one of my last questions for you is how does one create a good marketing plan for a business to take off with Earlier in our conversation, I kind of broke down the six steps in the 90-day plan that we use for our business, for our clients. I'll get tactical here with marketing planning because a lot of people say, like, where should I start? That's the thing. Right? It's like you can understand the elements, but it's hard to start. And yeah. that's pretty much for... Well, where do I start? Or like, how do I... Like, I've been in business for a while, but I haven't been using a plan. So first place to start is going back to the fundamentals. What's your target market? Who are your ideal clients? Everything from a marketing standpoint starts there. If you do not know that, then you're just trying to attract everybody and that's a losing battle. Too many people try it. You can't target broadly. You have to decide who you want to work with. You have to start there. Second, once you understand them, you have to have a good message. You have to have a message that focuses on 
the problems those people have and don't want, and the results they want and don't have. Does it have to be authentic? Yeah, it should be. I mean, thing is, yeah. in today's world, it's difficult to talk to people, especially you know, there's competition in everything that we do. And it's super hard to, you know, talk to people in a way that they haven't heard before, especially if it's your target prospects. Yeah. They're already used to the messaging. They are, but you can, you can still, look, I'm in marketing, man. People say the same stuff all the time, but there's mm. still ways I think that you can switch it up and position it in a way, if you really understand who your ideal clients are, your messaging is going to be in their language, not yours. Because when mm. it's in their language, it's going to resonate with them. And your message should always be clear. Too many people try to get clever. Oh, I need to be super unique and clever with this. And it falls flat because you make people think too much, right? You confuse people. Right. When we confuse people, confuse Use people them. do not buy. So with your plan, you got to start with target market and your messaging. If you're just starting out, if you're in the very beginning, you still have to make some choices. Does that mean that you're not going to change those decisions as you start to get more and more history and more and more experience? No. By the way, Google is your friend. There's so much research you can do about target market on Google. Do some research, make an educated decision based on the data that you have, and then get out there and start taking action and learn from it. And as you learn from it, then you can start to make updates and course corrections. But man, it's so much easier to target, I'm going to work with veterinarians, than I'm going to work with small business owners. A small business, man, they're, they're everywhere. Like, where are you going to go? If I know that I'm going to target vets, man, I can start to create a list of exactly where vets are. And that's going to ensure that I'm going to fish where the fish are. Not cast a line out in the middle of the ocean and hope that I catch something, right? So your plan has to start with those two things. From there, I think your website is super important because your website, whether you're driving leads online or offline, everybody's going to your website to check you out. Like even if you're a 100% referral business, do you like get a referral? Somebody says, oh, TK, you, you got to reach out to Tim. Do you immediately reach out to me? No. You go to my website and you're like, let me find out what Tim's all about before I actually reach out. I know one of my good buddies said I should talk to him, but let me just get a little bit familiar with what he's doing. They go to your website. I mean, if your website sucks, they're going to be like, dude, why did that guy refer me to Tim? Does that apply to every business and service? I think so. have a website? Okay. Look, there are examples of people that have built businesses that don't have websites. Of course. Just yeah, because that happened doesn't mean that that's the way you should do it. So I believe you should absolutely have a website because everybody is going to go look for you online. The first place they're going to go is your website. And if your website looks like it's from 1995, <laughs> they ain't going to be too impressed. So your website has to be in place. And then from there, the lowest hanging fruit with marketing is identifying what's already working. If you've been in business for a while, something is working for you. Look at what's working and optimize that because I guarantee you it's not optimized. I can't tell you how many people I talk to who are 100% referral. And then I ask them, I was like, well, what, do you have a referral program? What's your, how do you get referrals? Do you actually ask for referrals? Oh no, no, they just, they just come in. Mm. How much wow. do you think that business would change if they said, hey, you know what? We've identified these three times in the customer journey in our experience working with clients where they're happy, they love us. We should be asking for referrals at those three places. How much do you think their business would change if they actually started asking for referrals proactively? If they put together a referral program that incentivized people to give them referrals, that's an example of, hey, you've got a process that's working, but it's not optimized. There are gaps. 
There are things that maybe you could do more of to get better results. Optimize what's already working before jumping into new marketing channels. That's the lowest hanging fruit. That's how you can actually generate leads much, much faster with your marketing because it's already working. How You're just giving it more fuel. How about businesses and and service businesses and services that are just starting out? So businesses and services that are just starting out, and this is why most businesses are built from referral initially, the fastest way is through your network. Like who do you know that can start to introduce you to the right people and get you in front of your ideal clients? Working your network and building referral partnerships, I think is something that if you're just starting out, I think that's where you want to start for a lot of businesses. Now that may be slightly different if you're a local retail shop, something like that, right? But you've got to, whatever you do after those target market messaging your website, unless you have a huge budget, you're going to have to select a few marketing tactics and channels that you're going to focus on. And you got to just jump in with both feet and give those some time to work. Like I said, I like 90 days, but sometimes like podcasting is a perfect example. 90 days isn't anywhere close to long enough for a podcast. When you start to look at content, that's a 12 to 18 month time commitment, minimum. Well, like I said, consistency and patience is yeah. super key in building anything in the content business. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher this stat, but it's something like 25% of podcasts out there have published in the last under- three months. And also 25% have less than 10 episodes. So people usually yeah. quit within the first 10 episodes. Yep. So those two Which things, is- if you do it consistently within six months, you're in the top 25% of podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. hey, three to six months. And of course, uh, depending on whether you put in the work, because nothing worth it comes easy. At least. Yeah. And here's the other thing. There's a book out there called The Slight Edge from Jeff Olson. And one of the things he talks about in this book is the plan you start with is not the plan you're going to end with. This is the exact same. There is no perfect plan. Put your marketing plan together. Start taking action. It's the actions you take that are going to really start to drive the changes and the tweaks that you make to your plan as you go along. But you got to start somewhere. Otherwise, you're throwing spaghetti up against a wall, hoping something's going to stick. And that's just not a long-term strategy. What do you tell your clients that are impatient? <laughs> to be patient. And if they can't be patient, then then they're not going to be a good fit for what we do. Okay. You know, because they're not going to be happy with anybody. Those are the types of people that go from one tactic to the next. Yep. How do you convince them to stick to that one tactic that you chose for them? I, well, so here's the okay. thing. I What we've talked about today is a lot of the things that I talk about with potential clients. Because our view of marketing is that everything starts with the fundamentals, with the strategy that lays the foundation for you to build your house from. And that's why it's so important to start there because if you don't, then these are the potential things that are gonna happen. A lot of the people that reach out to us, they've already been doing some marketing and it's not working. And when I point out to them, well, hey, these are some of the reasons why this isn't working. You're marketing, but you don't know who your ideal clients are. Right, right. And because you don't know who your ideal clients are, you're not in the right places. You're putting out a message that's just me too. It doesn't convince anybody to want to work with you. That's why the tactics you're using aren't working. When I can walk people through that, most people understand it and they get it. There are still some people who are like, well, I need to generate these today, so I'm going to go take this action. And, you know, despite my best efforts, they still don't understand it. 
Um, See, I was exactly in that situation not too long ago. I mean, like last month with a client, we had a plan together and we were working on it and his team was working on it actually. And then we talked and I explained to him way before that if you want to build a following, you need to keep it consistent to provide quality content. And I advise his team to put out valuable content. Whereas before they hired me for a consultancy, um, they were only putting quotes from the founder of the company on pictures. And that's what they called content. And I was like, okay, this is nice, but people don't go to your page to read quotes. They want to know what you guys do. They want to know uh, what's going on in your business. They want to know, you know, how you bring value to them. They're yeah. not just going to follow your page, especially now. Yeah. They're not just going to follow another page if it brings no value to them. And so that's how I wanted them to switch it up. And within a couple of months of them trying and the growth wasn't like they expected to. So they called me back and I checked, you know, what they were doing and they didn't follow 90% of the things that I recommended. And so I was like, well, I'm going to make you pay for the same advice that I gave you a couple of months ago. <laughs> so to be honest, I mean, it's not my business, but it's frustrating when you have clients like that who don't listen and who have high expectations because they were hoping they could, you know, amass a few thousand followers by providing the same type of content, valueless content over and over again. And so how do you yeah. deal with those type of clients, man? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, right? So if they don't agree with and believe in our process, our methodology for marketing, then they're not going to be a good fit. And that's okay. I think some of them do. Some of them, they go, oh, wow. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's true. We weren't doing that or whatnot. Yeah. But then, you know, when it comes to practicality and, and to their work on the field, it doesn't translate to what was agreed upon. But I think so, if you're consistent, right, you're always coming back to that. You know, hey, remember that conversation we had in the beginning? You know, yeah. remember the conversation that we've had multiple times and I told you about X? Well, this isn't working because, you know, you veered from the path, right? The other thing too, I think is really important is, is just setting expectations. As marketers, there's so many marketers that overpromise and underdeliver, And Oof. people saying, oh, I'll get you on page one of Google. Really? No, <laughs> yeah. you don't control what Google does. So to right. say that you can guarantee that is complete and utter crap. Yeah, um, it's a red flag in my opinion. It's a, it's a total red flag. So setting proper expectations is really, really important. And if they, if they can't agree to those expectations, then again, they're not going to be a good fit because you're never going to meet the expectations that they have. And I feel so, like we're going back to what we said earlier in this conversation. There's so many factors to pay attention to because it's not only about what you recommend and what you do i've had clients who had their, their their pricing was off the charts and so the first thing i say to them was we can set up facebook ads and we can do so many marketing campaigns but your price is a problem and some clients listen and so they tinker with that and they notice the difference and so they listen more but others they go like let me first make sure that my pricing is off and so let's do a few campaigns and let's work together for a few months and if i don't notice a huge difference then i will consider that and so that goes back to what you were saying earlier there's so many factors that play a huge role like ux design the design of your website is also another one and those are like common problems that at least myself notice in some of my clients and in marketing terms they could make or break the business it's important to keep in mind too with marketing it's all about testing as marketers we're using 
frameworks and methodologies and, and systems that we know have worked in the past, but things are always evolving. There are differences in markets too. I mean, like I was working with a client that was a franchisee, right? So there are multiple franchisees across the country and the marketing was being done across the board. It was the same across the board, which is typical for a franchise, right? And that the marketing was generating great leads in certain markets and not others. That's a perfect example of why you it's not one size fits all. Absolutely. Right? This is the exact same business, but the marketing was working well for one location and not another. There were some differences within that market that were causing that marketing to not work. And that's why you're never done testing. This is not like set it and forget it. You're testing all the time and you're making those little tweaks. There you have it, folks. Thank you for locking in again. This was a really cool episode to record because Tim, as you can see, is really knowledgeable about marketing. We didn't get the chance to close this chat. Technical difficulties, let's call it. But Tim was amazing till the end. He gets deep and he's very tactical and very strategic. You can check him out following the links below. And yeah, he will definitely respond because he's that kind of guy. Super friendly, super open, just a treat to talk to him. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, marketing is one of my favorite topics and I think I will forever record marketing episodes for this podcast. Doesn't matter how many guests I've had so far. So yeah, peace out.